0: scotland stoics podcast where presenters robert keenan and colin hay present ancient stoic philosophy to modern years in the hope that people may find some inner freedom welcome everybody to the fourth episode of the scotland stoics podcast good to be here hope everybody's well We've got a great guest on the day all the way from America called Scott. Scott, how are you today?
1: Doing uh, I'm perfect in every way, Bob. Thanks for asking.
0: Thanks for uh, bearing with us. We did have a few technical issues from this side, side of the pond today. I can only um, apologize for that. So, um, Scott, we're going to go underway. We're going to we do things a wee bit different in this podcast. I'd like to get to know our guests before we start talking about our, one of our favorite subjects, obviously being stoicism. So, uh, Colin's uh, glad to put up a few questions in front of you that I'm gonna ask you. But first and foremost, I see that you say you're a husband, you're a father, teacher, musician. Like to hear that, I always like to talk to a musician. You're from Floyd, Virginia, is that right? Yeah, all right. Excellent, man. Uh, also here it says, transformation of specialists a creative and purpose, your offer and you're all an offer of several books, which we can all chat about in the next few weeks. And we're looking forward to that. So welcome, Scott. Uh, and great to see you. I'm going to let Colin start off with the first question for you and uh, I'll hand over to Colin.
2: Thanks Scott. Hello, how are you doing? Good to see you. Um, Scott, uh, I know you're a musician. You've got a deep love for American music. I know you're inspired by vintage blues. Can you tell us what sparked that love love of music and how did music shape your early life?
1: I actually, I think I decided to become a musician when I was Mm -hmm a really young boy when we lived outside of Boston, Massachusetts. And when my parents would take us into the city, I would frequently see street performers. And I just thought that that had to be the coolest thing ever to just, you know, sit on a sidewalk with your case open and play music and have people throw the spare change in your case. I didn't really act on that right away. Um, I didn't really start playing proper, or start learning proper until I was in college. Uh, and what sparked my interest was an album that some friends turned me on to by Taj Mahal called Oh So Good and Blue. And it was, when I heard that album, I just thought that's exactly what I wanna play. And so I took that album down to the music department and started knocking on the doors of all the instructors saying, can you teach me how to play it like this? And after getting the door slammed in my face, a bunch of times I landed at the door of Carl Demo, my very first great guitar teacher, who said, yeah, I can teach you to play like that. And, and that's how I became corrupted and became a, a musician.
2: Well, how old were you then, Scott? How, you said you are at college.
1: Yeah, so I was 18, 18, 19, some, some, somewhere in there. I had a, had a couple of false attempts as, as a younger teen, uh, but never, it never really stuck. Um, so I had a guitar. I just hadn't learned how to play it until I was until I was in college.
2: Okay, great. Um, so, how quickly did you pick it up? You're natural, or did it take a good bit of time? Some...
1: Yeah. So I am the firstborn Leo son, born in the year of the dragon, to a very tough Polak and a uh, uh, an even tougher Irish woman. And when I learned my first three tunes, I was pretty sure that I was ready to to hit the stage, and so. <laughs> I think some, sometime after my sixth or seventh lesson, I decided to uh, book myself a show and I played three songs for an hour, um, just kept playing the same three songs over and over again. So, um, but you know, I was just I've always had that kind of leap first and hope the net appears approach to things. And that that's literally how my career started.
2: Wow, straight on. That's like good going. Uh, very brave as well. Courageous, getting on stage after learning just three songs. Yeah, courageous I'm, I'm the playing them world. again and again. And <laughs> um, so, so what, what came first in, was it philosophy or did music come into your life first? Uh, I
1: guess, um, you know, love of music and, and love of stoic philosophy came, pretty soon pretty much at the same time it's just when i I was in the seventh grade um i i was in a latin class and my latin teacher um would was a classicist and he would translate the greek of marcus aurelius into latin and then give us excerpts to to translate into english and i just loved you know reading those excerpts after i they were translated and I would ask him for additional homework. Like I, and so after a period of time, he just gave me his copy of Marcus Aurelius's Meditations. And I didn't know it was, had anything to do with Stoic philosophy. I don't think Marcus ever actually mentions the word Stoicism in, in the, in the journal. Um, I just, it, what resonated w- with me was that Marcus was speaking to himself in a way that was very similar to the way I was speaking to myself. I mean, just, you know, that voice in your head. Um, And I have always had that kind of like personal development kind of instinct and self-improvement. And so it just really resonated deeply. And it wasn't until, I don't think it was until my adulthood that I, that somebody said, oh, that's a classic Stoic text. And I was like, oh, what the heck is Stoicism? then I started investigating and reading Epictetus and Seneca and Musonius Rufus and you know anything that was available, um, and I didn't even know that modern Stoicism was a thing until well after William Irvine's book and um, you know Ryan Holiday's stuff. Uh, you know I, I'd been reading Marcus Aurelius since 1976, um, and assuming I was the only person reading this stuff, <laughs> you know reading that stuff. Um, so it was great you know to discover like oh there's all sorts of people reconnecting or connecting with the wisdom of uh marcus aurelius and stoic philosophy
2: great good good to hear that um yeah yeah you make a good point there i think often when you read these sort of books uh, there aren't many other people around you that you know that, that read them as well uh, but having these online communities uh having modern stoicism think uh, groups like the Stoic Fellowship open those doors and you can have conversations like we're having just now uh, about Stoicism and similar things. Um, Somebody ask one more question and pass you over to Bob. So you mentioned you also read uh, the other ancient Stoics, Seneca, Epictetus. Which of the three is your favorite
1: and why? Um, Marcus is, is my main man always, maybe because he was one. That I was introduced to first, um, and I mean, each one of you know those those authors has a very distinct voice. You know, Epictetus is a little dark and a little bit more pointed. Um, yeah. You know, Marcus is very contemplative, um, speaks mostly about justice or you know the, the idea of cosmopolitanism and um, you know serving others. Uh, Seneca seems to be more about kind of like the self-improvement, personal development. Um, And, you know, maybe the fact that he had money and I don't, you know, as a musician, (laughs) meant that it it was never meant to resonate with me. But, you know, I I draw wisdom from all of them. Uh, But Marcus has always been my main man. And I read from meditations daily and, and have been, you know, since I was a kid.
2: Do you still have that original copy that you got way back?
1: I wish I did. I uh, you know, I read it until there was practically no more ink on the pages and then we moved around a lot when I was a kid and at some point, you know, I guess my parents decided that that, you know, raggedy book didn't need to make make the trip and it got, you know, probably tossed into the dustbin, but my hope is that it ended up in Goodwill and somebody <laughs> somebody else was able to pick up some wisdom from it.
0: Great, thanks very much, Scott. Hey, Bob. Scott, so I'm just looking at this question, it's asking how does stoicism fit together with creativity? And it's a good question, because when I was just reading the other night, I was thinking I'm kind of more along the Seneca-esque line, where I'm trying to improve daily, but sometimes failing miserably. But you know, always try and seek to become a better person, you know. I think that's what stoicism mm-hmm. ideals are. Yeah, for me, that's the way I perceive it. But I think that's a great question because then I'm asked the, the question that Colin created and asking, "What? How does that fit together with creativity to use stoicism?" Because I'm really interested to hear the answer to that. Thanks.
1: Yeah. So I think um, my favorite Marcus quote of all time is, "Love the humble art that you have learned and take rest in it." and when he uses the word art what he really means is the art of living or at least that's my interpretation of it but the art of living is the art of creating ourselves and i mean that's what life is we are in this we are constantly breaking our the current version of ourselves and creating the the next version whether or not you know that's on a path to self-improvement or um or going in the opposite direction, but I, I you know, the, that quote to me bakes in everything you really need to to live um, a, a well, to to have a well-lived life and to find a sense of flourishing and well-being in it. It's because it's baked. What's baked into that is the, the craft of living and the act of gratitude, the appreciation. For the gift of this journey, you know, of, of being a, a human being. Um, and so, you know, Stoicism is built on the premise that virtue is all that's required to yeah. live a good life. Yeah. Um, and that living in accord with nature, our human nature, our social nature, yeah. um, and, it, you know, with nature as we usually use it and extending all the way out to the cosmos and mm-hmm. it's and it's the reason why stoicism just you know Sto, if, you, if you were to study Sto's, stoic physics now it wouldn't make a lick of sense but they got the ethics really right and so human beings are essentially creatures born with a capacity for reason doesn't mean that we always act reasonably yeah, just because yeah. we have the capacity yeah. and we're inherently social creatures Mm-hmm. And that we are we, we cannot survive without each other, and that our duty is to live with and for others. Uh, and to me, the, the creativity is baked into both of those enterprises because in order to live as you know healthy, happy social creatures, yeah. we have to think creativity, Creatively, we have to we have to create conversations and communities and collaborations and connections, and these are all creative acts. Um, It's just not arts and crafts. It's not fine art. It's the art of living, but it's still a creative. To me, it's a deeply, profoundly creative enterprise.
0: Yeah, I think I agree about that, and I think. Myself, the signposting that helps us with that is the, the cardinal virtues. You know, if you can get as close to adhering to them, you will create that person. I, I, you'll never become the ideal sage, you know, you'll never get there, but we always strive to be as close to it as we can. So, I think that you, you answered that uh, question uh, perfect, mate. Thanks a lot for
2: that. Um, I, was, I was thinking a lot of you there, Bob, when Scott was talking. Sometimes rational, sometimes social, that sounds like you, say, not Yeah, Yeah, <laughs> <about it,
0: something. laughs> <laughs> um Right, so next question I'm going to ask you, because right, we, we want to find out a wee bit more about you on the, uh, your journey that you created, uh, sorry, you founded Creative and Purpose. Could you tell us what exactly that is?
1: And tell us the backdrop as to how it came about, please. Sure, um, I've been a musician, a performing musician and teacher all of my adult life. So my career as a performer was 30 years. I just in the last three or four years retired from public performance. I still teach, um, still maintain a, a, a lesson studio, um, but about uh, four years ago, little, just almost exactly four years ago. Um, I was in a period of transition and I participated in a program called the Alt-NBA, which is a program by Seth Godin, um, who I now work for as a coach in his, uh, in his workshops. And I entered that program, knowing that I was ready for something new, but not sure what that would be. And what that program may helped me do was realize uh, reconnect with my love for writing, reconnect with my love for philosophy, and realize that my interest in creativity extended beyond music Now I didn't yep. know what I didn't know what it was my new thing was going to be. I just knew I needed a new thing and I exited that program with two ideas. I wanted to reconnect and really explore stoicism and I wanted to really um investigate and explore what does it mean to be creative in a, in a much broader sense so i started a site called the stoic guitarist um and found out uh that gu- guitar players have very little interest in stoicism and sto- stoics have very little interest in guitars so it was very hard to build an audience yeah i, I then um ter- created the stoic creative and i wrote a handbook called the stoic creative um which actually continued. I got an email just yesterday. Somebody saying they just discovered the book and they loved it and were, were, was thanking me for it. Um, but it, you know, again, what I found was, you know, even though you, you and Colin and I and and Patricia and Xavier, who are also here, we all get the joke. We know what Stoicism really means. Still, broadly in the world, Stoicism as a word. Um, is interpreted only in its common English small s usage, and that, you know, so people that were interested in creativity couldn't figure out, what, you know, why do I want to be grim, grimly enduring <laughs> life um, as a creative? I'm doing it because it's fun, and that it, again, creatives, you know, were not necessarily interested in in uh, philosophy. So, at some point, when I was coaching in a in one of Sescogan's programs, I came up with this idea of creative on purpose and seth you know who has been an inspiration and um you know a mentor of sorts told you know just shared with me that he thought that that was brilliant branding and that i should you know that that sounded like my thing and so i just you know maybe two years into my endeavor i decided this is the brand and now all i have to do is figure out what what does the brand stand for (laughs) and so it's just been this long series of you know blogging and broadcast i you know have had a a podcast for three or four years now um and finding finding an audience and then help with the audience's assistance figuring out what this is and what creative on purpose is really dedicated to is the idea that everyone is everyone is entitled to meaningful work and what we do is we help people Discover, develop, and deliver an endeavor, which is defined as something—a a way of enhancing your life through work that serves other people. So, very stoic in its disposition, we just don't wave the stoic flag incessantly in people's faces. Um, I, I prefer now to to let the stoicism kind of seep in uh, or yeah. enter through the back door, and uh, and it's it's succeeded because my uh, my. My follow up to the Stoic Creative Endeavor um, was a top seller on Amazon. You know, didn't overtly refer to Stoicism until the very end. And, you know, people were able to approach the the, the ideas on their own terms without somebody banging on about, you know, like, you don't understand what Stoicism is.
0: <laughs> Nothing, I think. I'm just going to ask you a, a quick question. It's just off topic. So I was obviously, I started reading your book. And what I liked was uh, when you differentiate between creative and artist. Mm-hmm. Can you can you give us just a quick uh, rundown of what that is for our listeners? And I, I found it very interesting. I agree with one hundred percent.
1: Oh, great. Yeah. So it was just this idea. You know, my my assertion is that we're all creative beings. We're creating ourselves. Yeah. We're you know we. You're a baby and you can't speak and you create yourself and into being a a talker a walker a bicycle rider and a, a yeah. sandwich maker um so we we're creating all the time this conversation is an act of creation you know the email i drafted right before i hopped on is an act of creation but there's some things that we decide that we're going to go all in and we are going to develop the develop craft and and refine our idiosyncratic voice within that endeavor for some people it's speaking for some people it's writing for some people it's painting or music or what have you but you know we can be amateurs in all sorts of creative endeavors and that's great i'm an an amateur in most things in life but when it comes to being um a coach when it comes to being a writer when it comes to being a musician i've gone all in and i am leveling up to artistry because part of it is art is the work that you do out loud and in public and art is the work that's not so precious that you hide it from other people art is the work that you put in the world so that the right people will connect with it and the wrong people will move on or spend a lot of time criticizing you because they don't get it because it's not for them and artistry is akin to being a professional a professional doesn't show up because they feel like it they show up because it's what they do they don't show up because they're they're looking for praise. Um, they show up because this is what they do. They don't really care what the naysayers say or the critics say. It's it's about the craft and about the change that's being made through that you know creative enterprise that they've decided to level up in. That's excellent, thanks, man. Go on.
2: You speak so eloquently, Scott. Um, I'm, just mumble my way, mumble my way, and start my way through, through sentences these days. Um, So you you mentioned there you've got got the Creative and Purpose podcast, and I know you uh, you mentioned you you, the other day that you put that on hold uh, for the time being. But uh, I was surprised that you've done two hundred episodes, about two hundred episodes. Can you tell, uh, tell our listeners a wee bit about it? And I'm gonna put you in the spot by asking you who's your all time favorite guest and why?
1: Um, so broadcasting the podcast was really a way to help me make sense of what I was trying to do. And so it started off actually as Meet the Modern Stoics because I was just discovering that there was this thing called Modern Stoicism. And I was connecting with um, the work of William Irvine and Donald Robertson and Massimo Pigliucci and um, you know all all, all the, the the known names in that space. And it just so happened that they all accepted an invitation to appear on the podcast, and, which was phenomenal because it helped me um, get connected with that you know that wow. movement and also deepen my um, understanding and appreciation for Stoic philosophy. And as my idea continued to iterate and transform the the podcast, just like the site changed names. Um, and as it is now, it's about most of the time it's about interviewing people who are successful in some sort of endeavor that seeks to make things better by serving others, and I use those conversations to highlight the you know the, their their Tactics, their strategy, you know, their story, in the hopes that people will be inspired to find meaningful work of their own and to find meaning through uh, some sort of enterprise that seeks to make things better within for the people that are around them, and you know, share tips and and um, insight into how you know my guest was able to become successful in whatever enterprise um that they're interested in it's interesting that you mentioned that the so the podcast has been on a hiatus for a few weeks unintentionally i've just been too busy to book guests um but just today i was uh listening to david white on uh so i had this ritual uh every day where i go for a run at the cemetery and i call it my cemetery run and i was listening to david white and He mentioned uh, he used this word threshold, and I was just like, "Oh, that's a great word." Because we are—I really believe—in this moment, you know, we're having this conversation during a pandemic, during in the states a period of, you know, incredible social unrest, racial injustice again being highlighted as a problem that we haven't yet solved. Um, People are trying to figure out how do they work, how do they live, how do they make a living. Um, in a time when the world has gone upside down and sideways for everybody. And what I have been saying since March is, there, is this, there are silver linings in this moment that we're in. And this idea that we want to go back to the way things were, were is ludicrous. Because what we have is the opportunity to exit a situation far mm. better off than we entered it. It's a threshold. Now, a threshold is a doorway into something new and it presents a choice. Are you going to cross the threshold or are you going to stay where you are? And so the next season of the the podcast will probably be, uh, rather than inviting other guests, I'll probably be just a host on mic talking about you know these ideas that I have about how we can the the threshold is here it's time for us to think about stepping into possibility the possibility that we can be better that things could be better not just for ourselves but for you know the entire the entire globe because this is a global moment this is as a human community we're all experiencing the same challenge and if we if we lean into it together we have the opportunity to make the world a better place for everyone, instead of what we usually do, which is make it better for the people that already had a pretty good to to start with, and the people that didn't have a good to start with continue to get stepped on.
2: Great, Scott. Um, When are you running for president? (laughs) (laughs) I would,
1: uh, I don't think that is what-
2: You sound like the type of guy America needs.
0: Yeah, I
2: agree. Um no so, anything,
0: you'll be all right. Yeah, I,
2: come over here. Come over here. Um so who's your all-time guest? I think oh, you tried right. take uh, uh, try to get away with that one. I'm trying to get away with that there,
0: Scott. Come on.
1: Um oh boy. I, you know,
0: I mean top honestly, three, three mate, top three. That's fair.
1: <laughs> so my, my friend and mentor Seth Godin has been on multiple times. Those are always fascinating discussions. Um, I recently spoke to Sean Askenosi of Askinosie's Chocolates. That was, I mean, just to, you know, I just really found a simpatico compadre in my conversation with him. Um, we, we just aligned on so many things and that was really exciting. Um, other favorites have been all, you know, like I loved interviewing all the modern Stokes. Donald Robertson's been on a couple of times. I yeah. deeply, you um, you know, invested in sharing his work with others. I think um, Think Like Roman Emperor is a brilliant book that is doing a lot of good in the world. Um, I've also had Bernadette Jiwa, who's a, a, a great writer and uh, kind of expert on story. Uh, oh, I mean, I, I could just go on and on. Michael Bungay-Stanier has been on the broadcast. He's a, a friend and a brilliant, uh, insightful human being. Um, so that that that's that's a handful of um, the 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 ones that leap to mind.
0: You know stuff. that see you it. know that uh, Colin free next week if you want a new guest
1: mate. <laughs> <laughs> I know a guy that could make that happen.
0: Yeah. I <laughs> brilliant. Right, next question, Scott. I'm I'm actually quite intrigued with this one, so it says that you can promise a better living living through endeavors so endeavors to me is hardship resilience and so forth so the question i'm asking you i mean i've been through my own experience um, i've been through a lot of addiction issues when i was younger and um, a lot of uh, gang involvement stuff that so was it was no nice small time criminality none nature but i had a lot of heartache and pain and stoicism Help you massively get through those experiences, um, especially in the last um, maybe five years. I've had something happen to and Stoicism, helped dramatically. What does a typical day for well, first and foremost, can you give us an experience in the past when you've had to come up against uh, some real endeavours, and then get after that, give us a kind of a rundown of day to day with how Stoicism would help you? Thanks.
1: So I think of, it, of an endeavor as meaningful work that mm-hmm. is done with and for other people, and again, yeah. it's it's you're enhancing your life most through work that serves others. That's what it, it it for me. An endeavor is a an endeavor, as you indicated, Bob is is fraught. It's going to there's going to be challenges. There's, there's going to be failure, misfortune, and difficulty. What stoicism teaches is number one um how to be how to pursue that kind of enterprise with intention and integrity and two it teaches that the outcomes of our endeavor are beyond our control the effort the quality of the effort is what is is the reward if you happen to achieve your financial goals or your um, your you know impact goals that's that's great but that's that's um, just a preferred outcome it's uh, it's not the the point the point is the work itself and then the other thing that stoicism does is it provides context when you zoom all the way out and you look at your piddling and your 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 ranting and raving and thriving and so forth you are a meaningless you know speck amongst a bunch of other meaningless specks on a speck of a planet in a vast cosmos that does not care whether or not you're happy Um, and at the same time you're part of a cosmos that um, of which you are an integral part that has presented you with the gift that of being happy by accepting where you are while you are striving to toward where you want to be, and uh, you know that, that that kind of measured context, uh, you know, putting yourself in the context of of everything, as opposed to just you know, most of the time, I think people like me who are doing things online, we're, we're mostly working alone and we're mostly living in our head all day long, even if we're connecting with other people and coaching sessions and emails and so 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 forth. Um, so yeah, stoicism has just been immensely beneficial, not just in navigating the vicissitudes of, of trying to do meaningful work and make a living at it. Um, it's helped me in all my relationships. It's helped me, uh, be a better performer on guitar, uh, a better parent, a better friend, um, and, uh, navigate the challenges of being a human being with a greater sense of equanimity and, and um, appreciation. Uh, yeah, and so it's just, it, you know, it is central to who I am. It's just something that I I, I share uh, discreetly.
0: <laughs> no, thank you. Right, I'm an avid runner, Scott. I run most places, I, I run a lot across country I run over mountains as well. I run along the streets, but I've not quite done a cemetery run yet. Can you give us a run down as as to what the cemetery run is? Frank?
1: Sure. So I was never. I I played sports all the way through. I played American football, played lacrosse, rugby. Um, but I never. I hated hated running. So I mean, I was always the last in the sprints, and I was always at the back of you know the, the long distance running and after you know in my adult life after i stopped playing collegiate sports you know it was like five pounds a year which by the time i was 45 that was a lot of pounds Um, and one day i just decided i am tired of being fat and i'm going to do something about it and i literally started by just walking to the top of my driveway and back and that turned into you know a mile of walking and two miles walking three miles of walking. then i started running portions of it and eventually i became a runner that competed in 5ks and you know went for a run every single day um and at the time we lived on a farm down a very long dirt road that nobody else ever came down and it was great we sold the farm moved to town was thrilled to be in town charted a run that took me from my our new home to the cemetery and then back, it turned out to be a three mile run. And like the second day of my run, I was going across a crosswalk, which is where people are supposed to stop and came literally within less than an inch of being hit. Um, I decided that if I didn't want to end up in the cemetery, maybe I should drive to the cemetery and do my run there. And it turns yeah. out that that six laps around the cemetery is is three miles. And the cemetery sits on the, on the highest point in town. Now, I live in southwestern of Virginia in the foothills of the Blue Ridge Mountains. And from the cemetery, I can see all the ridges, visible ridges of the Blue Ridge in our county, uh, surrounded by, by pasture and farmland. There's cows lowing in the distance. There's deers crossing the field. The cemetery itself is just beautifully kept. And of course, there are the tombstones reminding me that my time here is finite. And it's just it's a ritual because I use it to remind myself every day that I have limited time left. And if I want to make the if I want to make the biggest difference, I can I can't waste any time. Uh, So it's just a, a, you know, the run is for my health, mental and physical. The reminder helps me reset, you know, sometime in the late morning and come back home to, you know, get back to doing the work that that I feel like I'm meant meant for.
0: That's excellent. Really fine. Great explanation there as well. Scott, thank you very much for that. Calling you up, mate.
2: Yeah, this will be the final question before we see if any if Patrician or Abby have a question for you as well. I'm really tempted to actually play as a song, Scott, but I will stick to the <laughs> I'll stick I might still do that. Yeah. Um, I'll, I see you really want to. I'll stick to the the question. So you had a book out earlier this year, a short book, I think it was out in July, uh, Stepping into Possibility. Three questions to help embrace uncertainty and navigate adversity. Um, now, I'm going to ask you two of those questions, the last two questions. Hopefully you know what those are, but I will, I will ask them. Um, what's next for you Scott and what's it for (laughs)
1: Um, well so I just completed uh, my next handbook which is called onward and the subtitle is uh, where certainty ends possibility begins and it's actually um, in some ways an expansion of stepping into possibility uh, in (laughs) that it is uh, about about embracing uncertainty and navigating adversity. Um, and it's in a way also a follow-up to Endeavor, which was all about this, how do I find, how do I discover, develop and deliver the work that I'm meant to do? Um, but the the secret that I can share here amongst friends is that it's based on the three Stoic disciplines. Uh, and so again, Stoicism is not mentioned until the very end, but the um, the three Stoic disciplines of Epictetus are um, the discipline of perception, the discipline of action, and the discipline of will. And sometimes we call the discipline of perception, the discipline of desire, and sometimes we call um, the discipline of uh, will the discipline of assent. But I, I prefer the Hayes translation just because it makes more sense in terms of the, the, the way I'm approaching it in the book. And the way that we embrace uncertainty and navigate adversity is, to see things as they really are without all the attached value judgments uh, and emotive reactions, to um, frame the choices and possibilities, to then decide what is the best choice for now and to step into that choice. And then to remember that what it really is all about is virtue, development of character, um, and you know, recognizing that the um, effort itself is the reward, not the shiny rewards that we might be chasing.
2: So, um, when's that? When's that coming out, Scott? And where, where where can we grab a hold of
1: it? So I I. T- I'm releasing it uh, on Thanksgiving Day here in the States, which is in uh, late November. It's the same date that I released Endeavor. It, this is really, you know, I see it as a kind of a follow-up to Endeavor and Endeavor was just a distillation or a retelling of the Stoke Creative in a more narrative style. So it's actually my, of the three, Onward will be the shortest of the handbooks because and, and intentionally so. my what I'm trying to do is get my message across in as few pages as possible so that people can actually take the principles and start putting them into use because I think now more than ever, we need to have this posture and mindset of embracing uncertainty and navigating adversity and seeking to make things better with and for the people we find ourselves with
2: and will you be picking the, the ideas the themes from your book up and when you pick up your podcast again is that what what that's going to be aimed at yeah
1: yeah so the, the 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 last the the last season of the podcast for this year will be um this idea of the threshold and stepping into possibility and and unpacking and sharing readings from onward um and doing some live you know live events with with members of my community at creative on purpose we have about 600 people that um, you know, have signed up to be uh, a part of that community. Wow. Um, so we'll be doing some events for the community, but doing them out loud and in public, so that other people can get a sense of you know what's what, what we're up to, um, and hopefully create enough status anxiety or outsider status to get a few more people to come on in and, and join us, and trying to make make the world a better place.
2: Lovely stuff. So the book is called Onward and it's available on Amazon, is that correct? Yes. On a pre-order?
1: Yeah. If you put Scott Perry Onward and Amazon in a Google search, you'll find it.
2: And what about your podcast? Where, where can we find that?
1: I think it's everywhere that you can listen to podcasts, but I, I only upload it to iTunes, but the internet seems to be sorting it out <laughs> and, find, and letting it be found <laughs> on other places.
2: Lovely. Thanks very much, Scott. Thanks for answering our, our questions. Um uh, we'll open open up to the, the listeners. If you've got a question, um can you just unmute yourself and ask or just put your hand up, raise your hand and we'll unmute unmute you.
1: Go ahead, Patricia.
3: Hi, hey, can you hear me? I
1: sure can. Can you hear you, Patricia? Yep.
3: Okay, I'm not very good with good technology and I'm on my mobile phone. Um, I haven't known your work before, I'm very inspired by what I'm hearing, and thank you very much for talking to us. Um, One thing I'm wondering about is, in your books, um, why don't you mention the philosophy until the end? I ask you this because it seems to me that there are an awful lot of sort of trendy get quick fixes um, sort of um how to improve yourself books around. And I don't really like seeing stoicism in that way. I think it's terribly important to understand that it's not just a life hack, there's an awful lot more behind it. So why don't you say that before the end?
1: So I, in the Stoic creative, I obviously ignored the approach that I'm currently using. And I also ignored Epictetus's uh, provocation. Why don't you keep your philosophy to yourself for a little while? So Epictetus would encourage his students to not go out in the world waving um, and evangelizing Stoicism. Um, in part, because I, I think and my, my experience, there's this out, um, you know, we stoicism is not a religion, but we do have evangelicals <laughs> out there. And, and I don't know what your experience is, Patricia, but like here in the States, we have Jehovah's Witnesses and all sorts of yeah. evangelicals, and we tend to not be very friendly to them or interested in inviting them in and having a conversation. And what I found was um, that waving my Stoic flag seemed to be more of a turn off than a turn on with the people that I was trying to share it with, and that by sharing the principles, and I and I want to just also say I'm totally with you that you know one of the things that I dislike um, when I you know listen to Tim Ferriss talk about Stoicism as kind of a life hack is like that's not that's not on point that's not what stoicism is for Mm. stoicism is a beautiful philosophy of life it is some a lived tradition it is a lived practice and it's not something that you cherry pick because it will help you more weights or drink more wine or you know whatever tim is doing with it um you know i've always been more drawn to the work of donald robertson or william irvine or christopher gill you know than um the work of Brian, uh, Ryan Holiday and the others that kind of seem to be more of using using the philosophical practices as as life hacks as opposed to a rich philosophical tradition that they can weave into the life they're already living and um, experience a greater sense of, of purpose and well being in doing so. Um, and so it's the strategy that I'm using for now. Um, what I've noticed in Endeavor is I sold a lot more books and I changed a lot more lives and I piqued a lot more interest in stoicism by saving it for the punchline as opposed to delivering it as part of the setup.
3: <laughs> okay. Now, I need to read your books and see how, how you introduce the stoicism, but I'm glad to hear that. That sounds good. That sounds well, very
1: sensible to me thank you and i thanks. appreciate your question very much very thoughtful appreciate
2: it thanks patricia i didn't joke with Bob last night that we need to change the name of our, our group from the scotland stoics podcast to uh the scotland's on purpose podcast to see if we get yeah. some more, some more lessons less <laughs> um but yeah you, you do make i think you do make a valid point there as soon as you mentioned stoicism people sort of just a lot of people turn away or turn around and walk the other way but some people do like maintain an interest it's i think it's a balancing act isn't isn't it um you've got to do what do the right thing and what works and what helps people and if if you found that way endeavor then You've done the right thing and continuing that uh, with, with Onward. And I, for one, really look forward to, to picking that up and, and reading it in November while well, I'm having my Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Is that well, haggis in, in Scotland?
2: Haggis
1: leaves the tatties. Vegetarian
2: haggis for me.
0: Yeah. Oh, good yeah.
2: for you. Good on
0: to what it rounds us up i just like to first and foremost thank you scott for coming on to the podcast it's been an excellent conversation today and uh just to let the guests know that our next uh, interviewee will be jonas salzberg i feel that like i've come salzgeber salzgeber sorry i'm not even pronouncing the man's name properly uh jack kind of leads us on it last week we were just seeing it a minute ago. he's got a really good book out there it called the little book of stoicism Mm-hmm. And for the, get the listeners to let them know before he comes on in a couple of weeks' time, as uh, a great introduction to Stoicism. It's a very simplified version, uh, and it lets the people who maybe are not so great with uh, lengthy words like myself to get into Stoicism. So no, it's, it's a really good read. So I, I recommend it everybody to read that before he comes on. And that's us. So thanks again, Scott, for a, another great episode. Thanks to all the guests who come on. And thanks again, Colin. Good to see you again, mate. And we'll be on again in a couple of weeks' time. So for everybody. You thank you. See you Thanks, all soon. Guys. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye, bye. Thanks for that, Scott. Yeah, that was great. I enjoyed that.
1: When you um